Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Quantum computing stocks are the topic of today's presentation. In particular, D-Wave stock, Rigetti stock, IonQ stock, and Arkit quantum stock. These are the quantum computing stocks that became available thanks to the SPAC movement, and they haven't done very much for investors, so with the exception of IonQ, they've all lost 90% or more. Now, the basics here that we need to go over, if even the experts can't describe how quantum computing works, then how, as retail investors, do we expect to be able to gauge that? When you have D-Wave's CTO at one time telling the audience we're taking computing power from other dimensions, it starts to get um, very complicated in a hurry. The only way that you'll know if a com- company's built something useful is if other people are willing to pay for it. So revenues are a key indicator of success. Whilst we're going to talk about four companies, there are over a 100 companies working in quantum computing today. So the likelihood that the ones that will achieve the most success happen to be the ones we're talking about is quite low. And then we need to remember that the winner, the person that achieves quantum supremacy and does so in a way that can be effectively utilized to solve problems, they may not want the world to know about that. So Let's start by looking at Rigetti, and I like this statement. They say, we're laser-focused on achieving quantum advantage. Well, that's a a theme that you're going to hear throughout today's video, where companies are now talking about dates in the future when they expect something great to happen, so pretty much adopting to the standard messaging that comes from quantum computing world. Uh, Here you can see Rigetti's revenues, so rather sparse over time. And when we look at their timeline here, they talk about this narrow QA. So solve a practical, operationally relevant problem better, faster, or cheaper than current classical solution. And they've drawn that out there. And at the bottom here on the left, you see targeting uh, this goal of NQA uh, to achieve a demonstration in two to three years. So that's a, a little less than the typical uh, five years away that we hear, but I guess we'll need to check back then in 2025 and 2026, provided they're still around. And that's where survivability comes into play here. So we look at the cash they're burning. You see operating losses for the last quarter were around $17 million. They have cash of totaling about $110 million. So Just using the trailing 12 months there, you see, well, they have less than two years left, but they're also selling shares here through this stock purchase agreement. And just last quarter, they raised $12.7 million doing that. Who are they selling these shares to? Well, they're selling them to people who believe their promises. We don't invest in promises, so we're not interested. What you need to pay attention to there are the shares outstanding increasing every quarter as um, shareholders get more and more diluted. So the next firm, they say here, we believe this is a pivotal moment in quantum computing as D-Wave leads the industry's transformative shift from research and development experimentation to true delivery of quantum's enterprise value and utility. Who writes this stuff, right? Uh, What it comes down to, of course, as we said before, would be revenue. So you see here, D-Wave reports third quarter results. Fortunately, Um, Most of these companies reported their earnings around the same time, so we can get an up-to-date look at what they're they're selling. And here you can see 
revenues of $2.6 million. They say up 50% sequentially from Q2. Well, their revenues are quite sporadic to begin with, but um, they say here we're expecting at least $10 million this year. So that would mean they're finally going to hit meaningful revenues, which is great. So again, we're looking at um, survivability. Uh, there, this is a $103 million company trading below a dollar a share. Uh, last quarter, they had cash of just $7.5 million, so that was a real concern. Now they have $53 million, so they were able to raise money. That's great. This uh, equity line of credit that they issued, they have $84 million in remaining capacity provided their shares stay above a dollar a share. They're not, uh, so they'll probably need to reverse split. That's a problem you'll see with a uh, number of these companies is once their shares start trading below a dollar a share, the exchange will warn them and then they need to do a reverse split or get their share price up or be delisted. And when they say delisted, that doesn't mean they'll uh, stop trading completely and you'll lose your money. It simply means they'll be demoted to the over-the-counter exchange. So going forward, just watch for increased dilution and debt. They have $39 million in debt now. But what's interesting is when you look at customers, it says we have 73 commercial customers, including nearly two dozen Forbes Global 2000 companies. That's great. Uh, and then this other statement, over the last four quarters, we had a total of 123 revenue-producing customers. That's a lot of customers for a very little bit of revenue. So that's about what that would average, $81,000 a year, which is nothing. But then when you look into their financials, you see four companies account for 46% of revenues. That means that for the remaining 119, it's an average of about $45,000 a year. People aren't willing to pay very much for whatever this thing is, right? And we look at their operating cash flows there for the trailing 12 months, about $52 million, and they have $53 million, so they're able to survive another year. Now, this brings us to IonQ, and when we look at their revenues, we see some nice, strong growth there. For the full year, they increased the revenue outlook range to $21 million to twenty two. And our concern around related party revenues, you need to pay attention to that. It's like the Ginkgo Bioworks problem, right? Give somebody money and then they give it back to you and that's considered revenues. Well, that's becoming increasingly less of a problem here, as you can see the related revenues along the top. So for the first nine months of this year, they had 3.3 million in related revenues and somewhere around 15 million in real revenue. So um, that's good to see. Now, this statement here, they say, we intend to achieve this system they're building by the end of 2025, which will, it says, for certain use cases, deliver quantum advantages where classical computers will no longer be able to fully simulate an ion Q system. So you're going to start properly doing quantum computing by the end of 2025, two years away. Okay, that's great. That's better than the usual five years that we see. But the showstopper here for ion Q, where we don't go any further, and this is a statement that we made when we first analyzed the company, and it holds true today. The leadership team has made a name for themselves in the academic community, and that bodes well for hiring talent. Solid list of investors, but hype has pushed the valuation out of this world. So when you calculate simple valuation ratio, that's market cap divided by annualized revenues, it's 93. That's a ludicrous valuation. You can compare that to hundreds of other tech stocks in our catalog. And I've took, taken some of the names here with the highest valuations and put them into this table. And you can see that uh, nothing even comes close to 93. So if we actually adjust, everybody always asks for IonQ price targets or price predictions. Well, we can say what they should be based on certain valuations. So if IonQ traded at the highest valuation in our catalog, 
It would trade at $3.15 a share. That's a market cap of about $640 million. If it traded at the same valuation as NVIDIA, that would be about $2.30 a share. And you can go down the list here. The maximum that we would pay for any company is three times our catalog average, which is a simple valuation ratio of 15. That means that as IonQ sits today, we would never pay more than $1.80 a share. It sits and trades somewhere around, I think, $11 a share. So the zealots out there will likely come back and say that, well, uh, you better buy them now because it's the cheapest you'll ever see them and all these other BS, this fear of missing out stuff they like to peddle. The fact that these people exist is proof that this thing is hyped beyond hyped. Uh, and they're doing the sacred cow no favors. So eventually, these companies will revert back to their intrinsic value. IonQ hasn't achieved quantum supremacy, admittedly. And like other quantum computing firms, they're now whistling a different tune for funding, saying, well, we need funding because at this point down the road, we're going to... Um, be able to have quantum supremacy. Well, go back and look at their SPAC decks and see how bad they missed their estimates and see if any of these companies are firms with management teams that you trust. So the nice thing about IonQ, they have a lot of cash. So $485 million in cash plus a $500 million shelf offering. What they should do is take all those overpriced shares and use them to acquire assets. And that's probably what they're, well, the speculation is that's what they're going to do. But for this thing to be investable, it needs a billion-dollar market cap at least and a simple valuation ratio below our threshold of 15. That brings us to Arcit Quantum. This was a slide that um, we used in a video on this company way back, and you can see uh, just how hyped it was. We were pointing that out. Uh, at that time, it was trading around $12 a share. Well, this $84 million company now trades at $0.50 cents a share and is in danger of being delisted. When you look at their SPAC deck, you see how much they overpromised here. We're supposed to see $148 million this year. Well, for the first half of this year, it's rather remarkable. They've brought in revenues of $19,000, so way off the mark. But what you need to pay attention to is when you look at their headlines, their press release, it says revenue and other operating income. Pay attention to that language of you know, $2.5 million. You look, what's this other operating income? Well, it relates to income from ARCIT's agreement with the European Space Agency for the partial funding of ARCIT's development and operational validation of the quantum key distribution satellite system, which they talked about in, in their SPAC deck. But then look here what they say. In December of last year, they announced that, and listen to the wording here, rather clever, through innovation in the delivery of its products, quantum satellite hardware was no longer required. Is that the real reason, guys? And it intends to monetize this, if it can be monetized, its quantum satellite currently under construction. Well, that remains to be seen, but it makes you wonder what's going to happen to other operating income. Another point to note here is that uh, no, see the impairment loss and trade receivables? They were the largest unsecured creditor uh, to date in the Virgin Orbit Chapter 11 bankruptcy process. Is this a management team that you really trust to, to guide this company to success? You know, not for us, right? So there are a few other honorable mentions. You have uh, Quantum Computing Inc., uh, QUBT stock, and Archer material stock, you can go read these research pieces. I'll link to them in the description of this video. These were several years ago, and you can 
read through the comments and just see how many cheerleaders came around just trying to tear us to shreds on these uh, fact-based articles. And uh, to those people who uh, listened to what they were saying and invested, well, if you invested in QUBT at that time, you'd be down close to 90%. As for Archer Materials, be down close to 75%. Um, these articles uh, still stand in terms of the reasons why we think these companies should be avoided like the plague. And lastly, I'll say there's a new Defiance Quantum ETF. The ticker is QTUM, and here's a list of their top 10 constituents. As you can see, it's a hodgepodge of companies, and they've kind of blended quantum computing with AI. There's nothing attractive about this ETF, because if you're going to invest in quantum computing, then you want to invest in pure play companies, and unfortunately, you're stuck with whatever SPACs brought us. Uh, so the other thing to pay attention to, you're, you'll see a lot of news, uh, even lately, of quantum computing firms getting funding, and this company here, Atom Computing, quantum computing startup Atom Computing, first to exceed 1,000 qubits. These are vanity metrics, and of course here they say systems to be available next year on path to fault-tolerant quantum computing this decade. Yes, so five years from now. So when you're looking at the progress these firms are making, again, it goes back to what we said. You need to pay attention to revenues and uh, this other uh, article I read just right before giving this presentation, it says Microsoft enters $100 million partnership with Canadian firm after quantum breakthrough. And of course, it says that the company can bring a quantum computer to market within the next five years. And that actually happens to be something we're looking at utilizing for our merch. You can see here just some ideas that we've been tossing around with our designer on Fiverr. Quantum computing always just five years away. So just to conclude, Notice the pivot here to estimating when quantum supremacy will arrive as opposed to focusing on great things that they're doing today. The idea being there is investors are saying, well, where's all this money? They say, well, it's coming down the road. Here's this date when we'll actually accomplish something. Uh, with the exception of IonQ showing some steady revenue growth, these other firms aren't looking too hot. Uh, we don't believe this is an investable theme for reasons that we've talked about today. Most of these companies are too small, in danger of being delisted or delisted. And the few pure play stocks that went public, they just went public too early. So as usual, we'll check back in a year to see what progress has been made. I'm going to put up another video here that you might enjoy watching. Before you watch that, please click the Nanalyze logo on the right, subscribe to our channel. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to Nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.